So I came up with this four-pillar framework to say, well, actually, based upon everything that I've done over the last 15 years, everything that I've done falls within one of these four areas, pricing people, uh, process, and positioning. You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to run and grow your firm. Welcome to episode 371 of Text Talks, our last episode for 2022. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. Last week, Reza Huda discussed pricing and repricing with you. This week, let's talk with Reza about taking action, how to actually do what you think needs to get done. Let's talk about core systems and branding and most importantly about Reza's four pillar framework, the four P's. I find this framework really helpful. Just like last week, I will play you a clip from an episode Reza did in his own podcast, and then we will switch to the actual interview and drill deeper. Number three, implementation. So uh, because I'd uh, kind of implemented the the systems and then started to learn about uh, leadership and culture and all those sort of things. So my input was then maybe there was a handful of uh, of clients, maybe less than half a dozen clients that I would still have contact with. But otherwise, it was more supporting the team, looking at uh, systems, implementing systems, improving our systems, uh, still doing the, the sales and marketing. So I'm focusing more on, on sales and marketing and then you know, as I began my journey of uh, of personal development, of self-development. So 2014 was kind of, I came across Mark and then I realized actually there's this whole world out there that I just didn't even know about. I'd never read any business books before, you know, 2014, 15. I was a bit of a late reader when it came to, to, to business books. And I started reading, I started to realize, wow, there is less like a wealth of knowledge in these books that's taken someone, you know, a lifetime's work to incorporate their wisdom, their experience, their insights into a book that I can read in a few hours. So I made up for lost time, you know, read hundreds of books, podcasts, and then, you know, attended uh, courses and uh, learned from the best experts in, you know, leadership and culture and sales and pricing and marketing, and then started to implement all of those things. Uh, and yeah, then you know, got my, my got my uh, got my practice to to virtually run without me. And then 2019 was when I started to then coach and mentor other accountants to to, to get similar results. You have mentioned a couple of times how you discovered this world of knowledge and experience in books and webinars, etc. I find it very impressive how you took that knowledge and then did something with it, implemented it. Because I think reading books and listening to podcasts is very easy. I find the implementing bit is the hard bit. It's like, you know, we all know that we need to exercise more and eat less. But it's the implementing bit that is the hard bit. And so did you find that relatively easy once you realized what needs to be done to do it? Or was that hard? Yeah, I guess for me, the way my brain is wired, and I've talked about the working genius model on my podcast, something that uh, the author Patrick Lencioni came up with, about having that self-awareness as to how we are wired. And we all have different gifts and different natural talents. And in his working genius model, he's summarizing to six 
six areas, six key skills that we all have. We have two of those are our geniuses, two are competences, and two are frustrations. So if we know where our geniuses lie, if we are working in our zones of genius, then we're going to be more fulfilled and energized in the work that we are doing. If we end up doing work in our frustrations, it's not going to be a very pleasant experience for us day on day. So it's a very useful tool to use with our team as well. So one of my geniuses is this genius of discernment, where I'm able to take a lot of information at scale, consume it quickly, kind of discard the stuff that's not going to be useful and actually realize very quickly that actually this stuff, yes, this works. I know this works. I can see it works and I can quickly run with it. It just happens to be the way I'm wired. I have other weaknesses as well. You know, one of my weaknesses, for example, is to galvanize others, to rally the troops. I don't do that very well. So I need to have somebody else on the team that can do that because that's not in my natural genius. So discernment, given that that's just the way I'm wired, it helped, but it also helped because I initially, as I was working with Mark, it was a case of, you know, Mark had distilled everything that he had learned and through the lens of an accountancy practice owner had created certain training and templates that I was able to go away, use and implement straight away. So that, again, that's the big benefit of working with someone who has gone there before, who is able to kind of give you stuff straight away that you can implement, show you how to implement, show you the results that you can get from it. So it just reduces that friction of moving with something that you can rely on that works because somebody in the same position as you has used that same thing to get results. So it should give you more confidence rather than going to have to read all the marketing books and all the pricing books because they are aimed at a generic audience. Go to an accountant who's already done it, already consumed it, who's 10 years ahead of you. Learn from them because you'll get to your goals a lot faster if you did it that way. And the other thing is accountability. So if you can get some sort of accountability in what uh, you are trying to do, then you'll get faster results. Just like you said about, you know, we all know that we need to eat less and exercise more, but why don't we do it? Because we're not being held accountable. When you have a personal trainer, you get results. People with personal trainers get results. Why? Because the accountability is there. Same in business. Get a coach, you know, get a mentor in the space so they can hold you accountable to what you say you're going to do and act as a sounding board and steer you in the right direction without you having to spend years and years trying to figure these things out for yourself. Number four, core systems. Every practice should have kind of seven core systems. And uh, when I first started that journey, we didn't, it was all kind of haphazard. We didn't really have any systems for, you know, managing workflow or having a pricing system or having a, um, a system for onboarding or, you know, having a, a system for, you know, task management, all these things. So actually back then there weren't as many uh, software options that, uh, that there are now, but actually looking at each individual area in the practice and thinking, right, okay, which my time needs to be focused on giving my team the best possible systems to, do the heavy lifting because that's what systems do and that should be our role as the business owner you know as the business owner our role should not be engaging in the technical work doing the accounts and tax returns because there are accountants out there that you can employ to do that our time is better spent if we don't want to build a business that can run without us that kind of gives us the life that we always wanted is better spent getting good systems in place and then getting our people to operate those systems so that we can then deliver that consistency of service to our clients the same way that you would. Most practice owners are still involved in the day-to-day because they don't feel that anyone else can do it as well as them. 
But if you give good people great systems, then they will do extraordinary things. So actually double downing on getting those systems in place with process notes and then getting people in and then and then learning about actually what drives employee motivation, you know, what really drives knowledge workers to do their best work and realizing that it's not about more money thrown at knowledge workers. That doesn't make them work any harder. What actually drives knowledge workers is giving them autonomy, is allowing them to excel and work in their zone of genius. So they feel they're improving every day, is showing them that there is a bigger purpose to what they are doing. And again, you know, these things I learned from their Drive, which is the book uh, by Dan Pink, uh, and actually the, the realizations and then putting into practice what I was learning. And then in, uh, in 2018, we adopted a culture where our people could work when, where and how they wanted, as long as the work got done. So there are no set hours they need to work. Uh, this is um, something that I learned from uh, Jody Thompson, who talks about the results only work environment. And this was pre-pandemic when it wasn't normal for every anyone to work whenever and wherever. But now obviously it is, which is a great thing. That's one of the sim- silver linings of the pandemic is that you know there is this realization that for knowledge workers, work doesn't just happen by seeing your employees with their bums on seats. Work can happen from anywhere, as we've seen uh, happen in the last two to three years. So that's the end of the clip. So now let's cut across to the interview. You spoke of the seven core systems and the first three, I think I got right because you did an episode just about those three core systems. The first one is your workflow management, you know, jobs and tasks. You use Glide for that. Then the second one is your CIM where you manage your client details. A lot of accountants do that probably in Zero or QuickBooks, you know, in their accounting software, but it could also be Salesforce or HubSpot, etc. And the third one is document management. You use virtual cabinet. A lot of accounting practices in Australia use FYI or Suite Files. So these are the first three core systems. The other four I have to guess i'm guessing it's email management accounting software and quoting software the seventh one i'm not sure but i actually should hand over to you can you tell me what the other four core systems are so on the seven core systems i would say there's so you've picked up the key ones you've got workflow which is the key one in terms of when we are essentially we're at knowledge management we take stuff in we do something with it and we churn it out whether it's an accounts tax return bookkeeping or whatever we need to know where because we've got many clients we need to know what stage of the journey any job is at one particular time so workflow system is really important the other one is crm so we need to know data on our clients we need to have one source of truth so a crm system is really important that's the second one a third one is document management so we have a lot of emails and correspondence that is being uh, going through the practice so we need to have one place where we have a store of all our documents and emails that's easy to access by everyone that's easy to store that can be electronically accessed from anywhere gone are the days where you need to have paper if you still got paper in your firm you're in the dark ages you need to move on get rid of paper there's no need to have paper in your firm nowadays whatsoever so get rid of paper go completely paperless we did that 2011. So we can do it 11 years ago. You absolutely can do it now. Uh, fourth one is uh, pricing and proposal system. So, you know, as I mentioned before, having a pricing system is really important to be able to have that consistent pricing across your clients. 
Another one is um, marketing, having a marketing system. So I, in my podcast, I talk about the seven-step system. So having a marketing system in place, which allows you to automatically kind of generate leads on autopilot and have a system which allows you to get them in whilst you sleep. Another one is your risk and compliance. So that's kind of a boring system, which everybody needs to have, engagement letters, uh, money laundering uh, system to be able to, to, to make sure that you are compliant and uh, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's six. And the last one is people and communication. So people and communication system, what I mean by that is having a system which allows your team to work well with each other, whether that's using things like Slack, for example, uh, or using Notion where we house our processes and things like that. So having a portal where your team can quickly go to for information, where they can share information with each other, where they can leverage each other's intellectual capital, because that is really important. And that is how you generate profitability. When you can maximize how you leverage the intellectual capital of your team, what's in each of their brains, because we're all knowledge workers. So the way we become more efficient and more profitable is by leveraging the human capital that we have. And that's why we need to have a place, a hub, a knowledge hub, where we have got our processes, we're updating our processes, where people are bringing their tips and ticks and nuances of having worked in the profession for so long, capturing what's in their heads, putting it out into a process so that others can learn from them and we all get better as a result. Number five, branding. Even now, I probably do about five hours a week in the practice. And the way that's structured is we have, we'll have one team meeting at the beginning of the week on a Monday. But that team meeting now, because people are all over the place, it's more of a, a check-in meeting, Zoom meeting, um, just to see each other's faces, just a bit of, you know, informal uh, catch-up. Uh, and also if there's any you know key areas or any key themes that we are working in that particular area to, to get flagged. It's not really a meeting where we talk about workflow because my philosophy on task management, on um, basically, you know, workflow, is to give responsibility to my client managers. So you have responsibility for a set of clients. Now, your job is to make sure that deadlines are kept, that uh, clients' queries are responded to within a certain amount of time, that the service level that we expect to deliver is maintained. And if that happens, then you are doing your job. So really, it's about giving autonomy with accountability. The autonomy is you have freedom to do this and manage this workload in the week, however you deem fit. You are accountable because you're accountable to the clients. So I have this ladder of accountability where I say you're accountable to the clients first and foremost, then you're accountable to your colleagues to make sure that, you know, if you want to go on holiday, there's cover. So you're going to do everything you can to create those process notes and uh, you know to help your colleague out because you know you're going to need their help. And last of all, you're accountable to me. Because I know that if clients are happy and your colleagues are happy, then I'm going to be happy. So it's all about giving that freedom with responsibility uh, and therefore taking that um, that headache away from me that I've got to, you know, micromanage or watch out for workflows or, you know, check if things are being done. I've implemented the system. The system is there. We've got something that tracks workflow. Every client manager can see it. Every client manager knows their portfolio. They know what they need to do. They know the deadlines. So the system is there. Uh, they just need to run the system and they are going to be held accountable to their clients for everything that's required on those clients. So what I wanted to drill down with Reza in, for this clip is branding. He has three brands to manage. That is a lot of balls in the air. So I wanted to better understand how he brands each brand, you know, how he promotes each brand. So over to the actual interview. 
May I ask you about the two accounting firms you have? How do I pronounce Wally? Is it Wally? Walji. Walji. Where, where does that word come from? It comes from the surname of my father-in-law whose firm it was. Oh, I see. Okay, good. So you have Walji and Walji is a general practice. On your website, you mention content creators, you mention high paid professionals or high earning professionals. You mention, I think, hold on, property investors. So on Walji, you have property investors, business owners, consultants and content creators. And then Capture is just about content creators, correct? That's correct. Well, is your father-in-law still active in Walji? No, he's not. But when I took over the firm, we kept the name. I mean, the firm yes. has been going for nearly 40 years now. And I couldn't really think of a better name. And uh, you know, yes. we left it yeah, so. In terms of turnover, what's the relationship between Capture and Walji? Is most of your turnover in Capture, which is just content creators, or is most of your turnover in Walji? Uh, no, it's still most in Walji because that firm has been going a long time. It's been going 40 years and we've slowly, we brought in the property tax niche a few years ago. So we've got a lot of property clients and the, the turnover kind of wrapped up from those. But we have, uh, so again, we could, we going through my journey of realizing that it was important to niche. So we selected the property niche, but then we also had, we identified a couple of other niches that were there as well. So we put those out separately because we found that we had quite a few clients in that particular sector. So, you know, we've created those four areas, which you can see on the website. Capture was more recently set up. So that's the most uh, fastest growing uh, part of the overall business. At the moment, it's a separate brand. It's not a separate entity. It's all just within the Wolji company. So it's just a separate brand for marketing purposes. And that's about 10 to 15 percent at the moment. Yeah. But I really like it that you're doing it like this because that very much feeds into my thinking in terms of that it's not necessary to go hardcore into one niche and to survive in just this one niche. You can niche into several areas. And I think that makes niching a lot easier if you can niche into three or four areas and then you can see what's working, what's not working, and you and it also spreads your risk. So I'm very happy to see that you niched into four areas because I think that's a very sensible approach. Yeah, and I wouldn't say it's kind of niching into the four. It was more a case of we had a generalist firm where we had lots of clients and it was a case of, okay, well, let's identify where we can add value the most, where we have the most kind of concentration of clients, where we can add the most value, where we can charge a higher fee. And it's a case of more reducing it down into four buckets as opposed to having 44 buckets. So that was the intention to kind of bring it down from this being all things to all people to let's now, you know, try and break it down into three or four manageable chunks. Exactly. Because if you look at the normal accounting practice, they would have 44 different industries, whereas just filtering it down to four is already a big step to niching. Number six, four pillars. I teach my accountants through a four pillar framework and uh, the four pillars all begin with P. There's pricing, positioning, people and process. So pricing and positioning are those external pillars. They're essentially your business strategy. So for me, it's all about how can I leverage and maximize the amount of revenue that I can bring in to the firm. The way I do that is by getting crystal clear on who I serve. 
if I can get crystal clear on who I serve, so I can niche down and double down into a select group of people, I am going to be able to charge a premium because those people will feel that I understand them better. So Mm -hmm. it's about that is a business strategy kind of question. Once I get that right, I know I'll be able to take a greater share of the value I'm creating because I am the expert. So that's what I need to to maximize what I get in at the top end. And then what happens also simultaneously is that because we're dealing with similar sort of clients, then my client managers are able to handle more because we can systemize it. We can get efficient. We're not being asked different questions across, you know, 67 different industries. We're getting the same questions. We understand it. The, the, the answers roll off from our tongue. We know the tax treatments. We know the bookkeeping treatments. And that's how you maintain efficiently efficiency, which is efficiency is about, you know, it's it's pretty simple. You maximize what you get in the top end and you minimize what goes in at the bottom end. To minimize that, it's about, you know, the, the rate at which you take on cost, right? And we just slow that down. How do you slow that down? You slow that down by getting really clear on who you serve. So your client managers, your people can manage more, can take on more work, but you can generate more profit because you're getting more in the top end and you don't have to take on then additional cost as quickly as you would if you were trying to take on anyone and everyone. You mentioned the four pillars, pricing, positions, people and process. Position is how you present yourself in the market, correct? Or let me say it differently. The, the way I understand it is pricing and positioning is basically what potential clients see. And that's what you bring to the market. And then people and processes is basically the machine in the back that delivers Correct. Yeah. So this is the four pillar framework that I came up with when I started to coach accountants, when I realized that, okay, I'm starting to coach accountants. I need to have some kind of framework that I can help them to ascertain where are they now? You know, what does the state of their practice look like? And what do we need to attend to? What do we need to work on first in order to get the biggest possible results in the shortest space of time. So what are those 20% areas where we can get the 80% results? So I came up with this four pillar framework to say, well, actually, based upon everything that I've done over the last 15 years, everything that I've done falls within one of these four areas. And that will happen to begin with P, which is great. So pricing people, uh, process and positioning. So I created this four pillar assessment that if you join my coaching program, you get to undertake this assessment, which under each of the four pillars, there are statements and you give yourself a score of one out of 10 in terms of how you are currently performing on that particular statement within pricing, people, process and positioning. That gives us an idea. Where are you now? Okay, we can quickly highlight, right? Okay, we need to address your pricing because you scored really low on that. Then next is positioning, then the next people, then next is process. And then we put together a plan uh, and then I help them going forward in terms of, right, okay, let's focus on these priorities because these are going to move the needle forward in your business the most. Number seven, niching. Uh, you know, I, I talk a lot about positioning, getting cl- crystal clear on the hoop. That's the first step. You have to have a destination. You have to have a strategy. And certainly in this day and age, you know, you've got to stand out because if you try and appeal to everyone, you'll appeal to no one. So I'm a big believer in niche and, and doubling down and being really laser focused on who you serve. So we decided to, we had one client. And again, one of the big objections I hear from practice owners is that we don't have enough clients in a particular niche to double down in that particular area. We had one client who was a content creator, uh, one of these Instagrammers, uh, fitness influencers, uh, but we'd worked with him for 18 months. 
So we we you know we knew kind of the problems, the challenges. We'd un- undergone a lot of learning in the space of all the different systems he had and trying to weave it all into zero and how do we capture this information and all the different tax rules that applied and where the income was coming from because Google send it from you know YouTube send it from you know America US and Ireland and all over the place and how to deal with all of that. So a lot of learning had been had, but that was great because it meant that with the second and third clients we brought on, we already knew it. We knew the answers. We knew what to do. So it would become a lot more efficient, a lot more profitable. So we set up uh, the name was Capture Accounting, new logo, new website. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I kind of followed the process of, uh, you know, getting crystal clear on the who, getting crystal clear on the messaging, because I believe when it comes to things like websites, you've got to lead with the problem because people aren't just randomly browsing accountants' websites. They will be searching for a solution when they have a problem. So in marketing, we've got to lead with the problem. So what pain is your potential client in now? And then what is the problem that's leading to that pain? Lead with that. Because when they see that you can understand what they're going through, you understand their biggest problems, their fears, their challenges, their hopes, dreams, and aspirations. When they see that you can do that and you're calling them out in your messaging. So the first a banner a heading under capture accounting is accountants for content creators and influencers. I'm calling them out. When someone gets called out, they feel that you understand them better than a generalist would. And then you talk about their problems. So, you know, I talk them through the process of get crystal clear on the who, sort out your messaging. You don't need a pretty website. Pretty websites don't sell. Words sell. You've got to have the right words on the website and use your website as a digital shop front. You don't need pages and pages on your website because people don't read websites. They scan them. So you've got 30 seconds to make an impression. And really, the only job of a website is to get that viewer to take an action, i.e., what is the next step? You know, book a call or download a lead magnet. That's it. So you guide them through what you want them to do. And then, you know, creating a lead magnet about, you know, giving a value away to position yourself as the authority, as the credibility in your space, getting their email address. Because social media is great for attention, but email is where the conversion happens. You've got to build up your email list and then use social media to drive traffic to your lead magnet. That in turn, you know, will build this pipeline for you. And, you know, the more you do that, the more emails you get, the nurture campaign that you set up over time, that will help you build your system that will generate your leads on autopilot. So as I was teaching it, we were doing it. And thankfully, we uh, we got to our target of 100K three months earlier. Instead of 12 months, we got there in nine months. And uh, I didn't have uh, egg on my face um, at the end of it, uh, because thankfully, I made it work uh, for the second time. You very often say in your podcast, and I really like it, I feel like writing it on my wall. And that is when you say, if you're trying to appeal to everybody, you appeal to nobody. And I think my gut feeling is, and I would love to get your input, I think that is the most crucial point that most accountants struggle with, being focused on a certain type of client and to send the rest away, to basically say no to people who come knocking to your door. Do you agree that that's the most difficult hurdle for accountants to take, to really focus on a niche? Absolutely. Yes, it is. Because when we first start out, we are just grateful and uh, want to take everything and anything. But as we know, as you and I know, when you've been going a few years, doing that is not going to help you in the long run because you end up taking on anyone and everyone. And then, you know, you have uh, lots of clients not paying you enough money and you have no money to then invest in people and your systems and marketing to take your practice forward. And you're left with clients who don't really value what you do. So it's not a very nice place to be in. So yes, the 
the fastest way, the easiest way to grow your accounting firm is to say no to the wrong type of clients and to say yes to the client clients that you want to work with. And when you do that, then, you know, everything just becomes so much easier. It's easier to find your ideal clients because, you know, marketing is tough. It's only tough because if you're a generalist firm, like your mind is just, well, where do I start? Like, where do I go? Like, which platform do I go on? What do I write about? There is so many ideas, so many things you can do that it just leads to analysis paralysis because you're generalist. But when you're a specialist, everything just seems to make sense. So when we chose Capture Accounting, we got clear on the who, right? Okay, our target audience, content creators, influencers. Okay, now I'm clear on the who. I know who they are now. I know the kind of clients, the kind of people they are. I know their age range, the demographic. So that means I know where they hang out, right? Okay, there's no point me trying to find these guys on, on LinkedIn because they're not there. They're all on Instagram, they're on TikTok, they're on YouTube. That's where they are. So that's where I need to be. Then I can get into, right, okay, so what are their, get inside their heads. What are the things that uh, are of main concern to them? What are the issues that they might be facing? What are their biggest challenges? What are the risks that they aren't seeing that we are seeing because we've got a couple of these clients now and we've noticed that generalist accountants are missing certain things which are going to result in penalties for these uh, creators if they don't do anything about it. So, ooh, yeah, let's lead with that now because we've picked up these generalists they don't know what they don't know because they're dealing with 60 different types of industry. So it becomes much easier to go out and target your ideal client when you are a bit clear on who it is that you serve. So how do you target content creators? You know, I know all the content you create for accountants, but what do you do for the content creators? Are you very active on Instagram and YouTube? Do you, do you create a podcast or video specifically for content creators? Interestingly, no, I don't. Because I had to make a a very clear decision when I started this coaching business and I had my accounting firm running side by side. So about three years ago, I was trying to do content that appealed to both. So I, on LinkedIn, I was putting out stuff for business owners and I was doing stuff for accountants. And I found that my message was being diluted because in marketing, if you confuse, you lose. So you've got to be very clear and very focused and people should know exactly what you do in an instant. They should know who you stand for, who you serve straight away. They shouldn't have to uh, uh, waste calories and burn calories trying to figure out who it is that you appeal to, who is your ideal customer. So I had to make a decision to say, right, if on social media, I am just going to create content for accountants. The other stuff I'm going to have to actually you know, put, I already had a bank of content for property owners in terms of the YouTube channel, the book that I'd written. So they were all working on autopilot for me anyway. When we set up the capture brand, I was therefore unable really to, I mean, I could have created separate content for the capture channel, for example, but I decided to uh, take a different tact and focus more on, on outreach initially, outreach, direct outreach. So actually identifying, because we knew we had You know, we had one or two clients that we started to pick up. And in that space, I was able to then kind of do outreach and just contact, directly contact other creators uh, and saying, well, look, you know, this is who we are. This is who we deal with because dropping names in because we had other creators that they would know. It's fairly small space uh, relatively. And also to say, if you're not already working with a specialist, then, you know, get in touch because there's a certain things that your account might, might be missing out on. And that worked. You know, we got a few clients that came in just because of direct outreach. Because then off the back of that, it's a case of, right, okay, how can I utilize 
my existing clients to get more of the same. So, you know, as accountants, we get a lot of work through referrals, but we tend to be reactive with referrals. We wait for the next one to come in. And our clients don't really know what kind of referrals we want, you know, because we take on anyone and everyone. But when you have a niche audience and you say to your existing clients, I want more people like you and go and talk to your friends because they're all gathered in the same circles. They're all having fun in Dubai and yachts and things like that. Very easy to do. Oh, you're taking on your clients. Yes, yes, please recommend. And even having referral arrangements with them as well. So that works. So that snowballs. In addition to that, we then worked on, because we put the one-page website out, we started to create content. And I thought, what can I do, which doesn't involve me going on social media. So we tried Facebook ads. We tried Google SEO. Facebook ads didn't really work too much, but Google SEO is working now. So we create a lot of content and now we have optimized that content and we are now ranking on Google and we are getting a lot of inquiries through that way. So this that's kind of ultimately how the marketing system works for capture. If the typical accountant had to change one thing, what would it be? Pricing. <laughs> look at your pricing understand what really drives prices and if you're doing time-based billing you need to move away from that but understand pricing get learn about pricing because that will have the biggest impact in your firm it will create the space and the capacity for you to be able to invest in other areas of your practice and give you a breathing room to actually come you know see the wood from the trees and get out of the trenches so you can actually start to be that business owner rather than remain as a technician that you might be at the moment welcome back I find the 4p framework really helpful pricing people process and positioning I wish I had asked Reza about the order of these. I understanding that pricing comes first. Reza says that's the first thing you should change since it will add fuel to the engine straight away and give you the funds you need to really get the positioning right. But why is positioning last? Why pricing people process and then positioning? Why not pricing, positioning people and process? That is how I would have put it. Positioning right after pricing, since I find these two go hand in hand. How you position yourself in the market, how much you specialize will immediately impact the prices you can charge. So let's come back to this next year. Not just to this question, but the four P's in general. I really think this is a very helpful model and I would love to hear what you are doing around pricing, people, process and positioning. Over the past year, I have put a lot of work into processes. So FYI Docs, CAS 360, Simple Fund 360, XPM for tax and best lodgement, go-cartless and recurring invoices for direct debits and for quoting. I use Quotient. Big fan of Quotient. Much prefer to practice ignition. So I think I got processes sorted for now. People is fine as well for now. I'm still too involved in the day-to-day -day running of the practice, but I feel we're on a good path. So that's ticked off as well. The bit I really need to work on is positioning. So build a brand website content for a specific niche and then really dive into that niche. That is the main thing I need to do over the next two months and beyond. So that is my plan until we talk again on the 6th of February. So December and January is a break for you. Now, 
Before you go, I have two more questions to Reza for you. At the end of the interview, I asked Reza about his coaching program and I just wanted to play you his answers. Now, my final question is about your coaching business, if you don't mind. Can you just walk me through a normal development a new client would go through? I know there's a Facebook group. I assume there is some standard content one has to digest. And then I assume there probably is once in a while a regular one-on-one -on -one coaching with you. Can you walk me through what the process is like, how long it takes and what the steps are? Okay. I have different levels of coaching program. I have, depending on how much access that uh, uh, anyone requires to me. So it starts off with a lot of one-to-one -one and that, that is there for so people who are short of time, don't have the time to come and attend my monthly training sessions where I deliver content and then I create uh, resources and templates and action plans for my audience to go away and deliver. So it's more one-to-one -one bespoke based upon where are you now? You do the assessment, we figure out where are your biggest uh, challenges and pain points and how can we quickly get some uh, get some wins in terms of where you want to get to to reach your goals. And then I have kind of a middle option, which is the, I have a like a group mastermind, to, which includes some one-to-one -one as well. So a group mastermind is you have to have a certain level of turnover. So it's not startups. Uh, you have to be in business for a couple of years and at least 150K of turnover. And then you get to uh, spend time in a small group. So maximum of uh, 10 to 15 in this small group where we get together once a month and we, we do a mastermind, which is where we talk about your individual challenges. You get to brainstorm with other accountants and get a second opinion. Plus you get one-to-one -one time with me as well having undertaken a full pillar assessment. My entry level, which is where most of my uh, audience is, most accountants start off in the mentoring program, which is a one-to-many program. In that program, I deliver training every single month. So once a month, I would deliver training, for example, like uh, how to price your compliance services or how to run a discovery call and get more prospects to say yes. So I'll take you through exactly the process of how to do that. I will then give you the templates to go away and implement. So you have an action plan. You can ask any questions on that session as well. So that happens once a month. In that program, there is also now I've developed uh, additional sessions where every week there is a study circle. So I'm not there, but uh, a couple of my members who have been with me a long time, they host a study circle where other members can come together in a very safe environment. They can ask any questions that they want. They can learn from others in the room. So essentially bring masterminding as well at uh, scale. Uh, I also have... Um, like a, a brunch and learn, which I host again, similar sort of way where I get people together and uh, we go around the room and pick out any questions and whether you have a question or you just want to sit back and, and listen in on answers to other people's questions, because there's a lot of value in that as well, in terms of from the questions you don't ask. When you say in, in the room, it's not face to face, it's completely mm -hmm. online. Yeah. I actually have one last question, but hopefully it's not long. And that is, how are you different to Mark Wickersham? How are you different to the program you attended with Mark Wickersham? Okay. So I guess with Mark, he's, uh, his focus is more on pricing, whereas I teach a range of topics from under the four pillars, uh, pricing, positioning, process, and people matters. I guess the big difference is I'm still in practice. I'm still running a practice. Mark stopped running his practice back in the late 90s. So it's been a long time since actually been in practice. So I guess I bring that more uh, up-to-date, perhaps, uh, you know, relevant um, uh, experience because I'm still, I'm still running a practice. I still have access to that. And everything that I'm doing, I share with my audience as 
well. And I also have, I think with Mark, it's uh, it's just him teaching sessions, whereas I have a lot of sessions where I bring the audience together so they can learn from each other as well, because there's a lot of value that uh, accountants can give to other accountants. So that brings us to the end of this year. I have to say goodbye to Klaas with a big thank you. Klaas has sponsored Text Talk since October 2018. That is a really long time and much appreciated. So I hope you have a wonderful time away, get some rest, some new ideas and come back with energy and a vision for what you want to achieve in the new year. Until then, thank you for listening. And for a last time, thank you to Klaas for the support. Bye for now and see you in 2023.